Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, currently featuring Steven Universe, Voltron, Legendary Defender, Star Wars, The Force of Evil, and Ruby. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Justin Cummings. Hello! And Jeff Anderson. Howdy, howdy. Today, uh, Justin, Jeff, and I will be continuing our coverage of Voltron Legendary Defender Season 2. Today, discussing Episodes 7 and 8, Space Mall and uh the blade of marmora uh which you have to say like that that's a new rule for this this podcast and um we've we've been this is my first podcast jumping on coverage but we've been having uh coverage every two episodes of ultron legendary defender you can check that out at overlyanimated.com search for the overly animated podcast on itunes your favorite podcatcher and particularly you can subscribe to our voltron specific itunes feed at overlyanimated.com that'd be good keeping up with this so um spoilers we have not seen uh future episodes beyond episode eight uh we're watching as we podcast so spoilers for only episodes eight and before um and then we will watch nine and ten and podcast on that later so you can check the you can uh, check those out later. So, um let's get into these two episodes. I'm I want to start in detail with episode 8 because it's uh, more of a plotty one. Um but uh give me your very brief impressions of episode 7 and then talk a little bit about uh how you felt about episode 8. Uh let's start with Justin. I liked it. W- which one? Both. They I, were good at These I, were really I, like I, these I like, were really I solid them. episodes. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that's good for seven. So what what in particular about eight did you like? Everything. I thought this was one of the best episodes the show has done so far, if not the best. I know that up until this point, I see it's kind of been the Keith show. And this episode made it worthwhile that it's been the Keith show. Like this was a really, really solid episode. Yeah, this is the big Keith payoff episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, uh, uh, briefly on seven and then more detailed on eight. Seven, I did not expect to like at all. I thought it was going to be a filler episode and I was just going to watch it because I had to, but it turned out to be one of my favorites of the whole season. Um, it's It felt a lot like the, uh, the one of the dinner scenes from Korra. Just everyone's got their own thing and it's really entertaining to watch. Um 208 also really enjoyed it particularly the costuming the, the their de- character design for the blade of mamura are good. really well done yes uh you you mentioned cora dinner scenes you're speaking my language here jeff i'm I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 more partial now that you've made this comparison to episode seven um yeah i like seven um i think it's a little bit frustrating with some of the plots that they give uh some of the minor ones but uh seven is an episode that i think is really needed for voltron because um the the show doesn't really have nightmares and daydreams of avatar type episodes and um a lot of times it gets too bogged down in kind of the space seriousness so i think seven is um, a much needed episode and at times is really really good um those who are not familiar with avatar when you say nightmares and daydreams type episode, you mean like a downtime episode? Like, yeah, like, yes, like, uh, yeah, well, a more specific nightmares and daydreams reference would be downtime before the big, big finale, but more in general, just kind of like a light, uh, not plot heavy episode, humor based stuff like that. You know, downtime is a good word for it. Yeah. Um, Blade of Marmora is definitely an interesting episode, a big episode for the show. Uh, I think a big episode for the season. Um, we finally kind of pay off the season-long arc we're building towards, I assume. I don't know what's next, so I don't know if this is how involved the Blade of Marmora will be. But um, 
I think there's a lot going a lot this episode does well. This is the best Keith episode of the series by far. Um, that's not really saying anything because I don't know how many good episode Keith episodes we've there's but this season's been okay for Keith, right? But this really pays it off, and I assume we'll continue to see it. Um there's a spe- there's like specific elements of Blade of Mamoto that I find really frustrating. So I wanna voice those and see if uh, either of you agree with me on that. Um but uh let's go through the big highlights of this episode. We'll get to seven after this, uh, the Blade of Mamoda. Um, so uh, let's start with kind of this big revelation towards the end of the episode. It seems like Keith is, uh, I, I want to say half, but I guess we don't know that for sure. At least at least part um, Galrin, right? Uh, big uh, kind of a big revelation. Were you shocked, Justin? I was not because Delaney and I have been joking because it started off the running gag of this season has been Delaney saw on Tumblr like last season theories about Keith being an alien and she kind of wrote it off. And then the last three podcasts, Delaney and I have been like, are we getting alien Keith? Are we building towards alien Keith? Are we really getting alien Keith? We're getting alien Keith. And so then this episode, I was kind of like, finally, yes, I can't wait to talk about it with Delaney because I wasn't shocked. I was just very happy that what we thought was originally just a crack theory turned out to be true. Nice. We'll get Delaney's reactions when she's back on later in the season. I assume this will be a running plot, so we'll have plenty of Delaney input on this. Um, that's interesting. Uh, Jeff, what do you? What were your um, reactions to this plot revelation? Was not surprised either because the way he held and carried that knife with him, obviously it was a family heirloom. So, you know, family connection. He's he has some. But the the question I had in my mind was, how far back does this Galran ancestry go? Is it like way way back, or you know, because uh, the vision he had with his father seems to indicate that at least subconsciously he feels that the familial connection is much closer, like his mother. So right, yeah. My my first reaction was Keith is Stephen, <laughs> like this uh, Keith's dad just uh, uh, you know married a uh, Galran woman. That was kind of my first impression of uh, what was happening in the episode. But this episode never really pays that off or confirms that. Um, but I certainly thought that that was what was happening. I think he's just like blatantly half alien. But why would he look like a human then? So Can I, can I give a really uh, – it's going to seem ridiculous. But I think it's very likely that it is his mom because there was another show around the same time as the original Voltron Robotech where they had literally this exact arc of a character whose parents were the first couple of two different species, one human and one, um, the alien and Robotech that I can't remember. And so it seems like they might be doing that specific plot again as like an homage to that almost. And because that character looks so human, it makes sense. Keith also looks so human. I just hope that in this, in this show, if they do that, they really give a very good reason for why he does not look alien at all. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I do. I, I, what Justin said makes a lot of sense. That would, um, certainly be in theme with this show as having some homage to a previous plotline and kind of incorporating it in a new way. But I agree. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. I don't really understand why he would be so human looking. Maybe, I don't know, dominant genes. <laughs> like, doesn't, I don't think that really works. But, um, yeah, I think this is an interesting and unlocks a lot of potential for Keith's character, which, um, certainly he's been more of a highlight this season. Maybe there's like one episode with, uh, what episode six right um where he'd been a little bit more of a focus but clearly um last season keith was kind of this nothing character and they knew they had to address this and we're clearly addressing it now so this is clearly this is them like very blatantly addressing a big weak point in the season and you could even argue that um this was all planned and they specifically like put off this keith material until season two 
um, which I think is an interesting move, not necessarily one that you should really, you should probably do, but, um, that's good on Netflix if they like had multiple seasons from the start and could like plan plot arcs like that and stuff. That's pretty interesting. Um, Jeff, any idea of what this might mean for Keith's character, speculations of what would happen with him going forward? Well, we've got an obvious conflict between him and Allura. Allura has had you know, a lot of distrust towards Karin's in the past, even seemingly good ones. So now that she knows that one of her number, one of her paladins is one, uh, she might decide to kick him out and take his place among the paladins. And then that, that's how we get her in a lion. Ooh. Who knows? Ooh. I, I like this. I like this um, Allura lion there. Is this a common fandom theory? Allura is just going to be one of the pilots? I guess it probably. Yeah, it is a common theory. And to add fuel to the fire, um, in the original Voltron show, there was a pink paladin. And when we see Alora in her space where there is a lot of pink in the theme. Yeah. And if she does become, say, quote unquote, the pink paladin, the red line would be the closest fit to that thematically. And I'm assuming she was just killed by the red paladin anyway. That's in, that's Which, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that would mean, um, I mean, I th- there's a lot of problems with this. Mostly Keith is like, there's a lot of Keith bonding with those line stuff in this episode. So I don't know how we'd throw that away, but, um, Keith becoming more of like an anti-hero type figure. I think that's really interesting. This concept. Uh, uh, Allura could do something very disquieting and like reset the lion's memory or wipe it. Ooh, that would be interesting to watch. To yeah. Kind of like dark Allura doing that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. A very like princess bubblegum kind of plot line. Take the character that we see as this kind of, kind guardian character and then kind of unveil these kind of darker tones to it as the seasons progress but keep her grounded i think would be really interesting that's a really interesting um comparison comparing allura to a potential princess bubblegum because yeah like you say justin for most of the series she's kind of the sympathetic figure and then we learn she's like immortal and kind of takes these um uh these potentially morally bad actions and she's more of just this complicated figure um and i think they've certainly kind of been going that route with allura a little bit this season with kind of these racist undertones to her or however you want to call that uh but uh that's all understandable given the build-up they did last season so uh, going beyond that, I think we're still kind of in that uh, early bubblegum phase with her. So it like something like an action like this would clearly would like push us over the edge. That could be interesting. Um, but keeping that in mind, Keith would be the second Galra or at least part Galra paladin, but second only to Zarkon. So how would that like uh, they could if they choose to keep him as a paladin, they could then have the arc of him having to kind of redeem his blood like of a Galra being a good paladin, like having to redeem okay his whole species. Yeah, I could see I could see him taking on that, like feeling he has to take on that role for himself. Um, I think in terms of the show right now, I, I think this Blade of Mamura is a lot doing a lot of that uh, narratively. Um, I agree. Yeah. So I, 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 this seems like territory that would, that's a good transition too. we could, I assume we'll have much more Keith speculation, um, if not this podcast, then in the future, but, uh, let's transition now that, yeah, let's talk about the Blade of Mamoru as an organization because that is covering this, um, like good Galrin territory. So, uh, also I think, I think this episode kind of cements the Blade of Mamoru as just like, this is the resistance in Star Wars. Like, uh, this is, this seems like this is going to be their role in the show. Um, kind of since, um, what episode three, when we kind of, uh, introduced them, it seemed like this maybe was where we're going. And for most of this episode, you're like, oh, they're going to be kind of unsympathetic as well. But then at the end, I guess they're on board. Like, is this, is, do you think they're just going to be played for straight allies now moving forward, Jeff? 
Yeah, I don't see any reason to belabor the point of distrust. We sort of dealt with it now, obviously, because yeah. that whole thing is secrecy and trust, and the the idea that you got this paladin that has a stolen knife, like, where'd you get it? Like, give it back now, because that's important to us. Now there's no need to bicker about that. Yeah, I agree. That was mostly the role of this episode. It's kind of like the uh, yeah, the we don't trust you type plot line. Um, what do you think of that comparison to to Star Wars, Jeff? I would think mix in a little bit of White Lotus to Star Wars, and you got it. Okay, because they're a bit they're mysterious and rebel. Uh, they're like in infiltrating. They're they get come from the ranks. So yeah. That's yeah. That's very interesting. I'd I'd be much more interested if they went um, not a played for straight Star Wars route and added some White Lotus to it. That would be because I'm I'm kind of worried about this plot being so stereotypical. This is a big frustration with me with the show in general is their plots being um, kind of expected and tropey. And uh, I think I, they went in interesting direction in this episode, not just them being such uh, allies right away. So I was kind of interested in that. But now we're kind of on the opposite side. So I'd love if there's some more. Um, you know, different different tones going on here. What was your impressions of uh, what the blade of Mamoda might be in the show, Justin? I feel like we're definitely going to go a little bit more White Lotus. I think that they're going to definitely be allies now, but I don't think they're going to be like super buddy-buddy. I feel like there's going to be that level of trust, but the Blade of Marmora is a very strict organization. As we can see, they're very harsh and... I think that style will contrast with the Paladins and kind of their laid back um, just style. And I don't think there's going to be like, we don't trust you, but there's definitely going to be some conflict, not from that trust element, but from just the conflicting styles. Yeah. It definitely could be interesting moving forward. Uh, What about how they were presented um, here as kind of this, uh, it seems a little bit antagonistic for some of the episode. Definitely kind of this um, strict organization that um, like they went the route of, uh, oh, the guy that was sympathetic to you, he was kind of uh, this rogue agent or something, and we're not going to be sympathetic to you. Um, how do you think they, Jeff, what do you, how do you think of how they portrayed uh, the organization this episode? I think they portrayed it to good effect. Definitely really up, up the stakes in this episode. Um, Particularly with their whole trials thing, that's where really where their harshness came out, and I, I enjoyed watching it. Although it did at times get a bit repetitive, like oh, okay, he just gets beaten up, beaten up, beaten up, and then the whole shtick turned into a riddle, which I don't know how I feel about that whole thing. I mean, yes, it all it fits into their you know combat gets knowledge and stuff, but uh, I don't know. I'm not not the biggest fan of that little plot twist. Yeah, it turned out like, oh, this is um, the true trial is how long he lasts. And uh, Right. And then yeah. it's funny afterwards when Shiro said to him, well, I guess fake Shiro, uh, you lasted longer than anyone else. That's sort of like a backhanded like, insult. It's like, huh, you, you took longer than anyone else to figure it out. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah I, I didn't even think of that way. And 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 they, they it was kind of like is it a dream sequence and stuff like that at the end is all or is like what's in his head and not and it was a little complicated there. J- Justin, what's your thoughts on the portrayal of the organization this episode? I liked it. I thought it was a good kind of. I thought it was a good difference from what we saw at Ulos because I like Ulos a lot, but I think if they just showed up and it, and the Blade of Marmora was like, "Yay, Voltron's here to save us!" It. It would just be a bit too stereotypical. I thought they needed some conflict. And, I mean, these guys have been fighting the Gaara for 
eons. And so I think they have a very different look at it because they're like, yes, Voltron's great and powerful, but Voltron left us. And so it's almost it's almost like an Avatar feel of like the Avatar abandoned us. And so I think that that gives them the right to be a bit hesitant. And I think, though, that this episode definitely kind of cemented the bond there. But I love, love their portrayal. Okay, interesting. Yeah, let me let me voice kind of my frustrations with this episode. Um, I, I think most of this episode, I kind of didn't understand the motivations of uh, this organization, um, and it kind of cons- it kind of per- lasted the entire episode. Like in the beginning, I didn't understand why we're being so harsh to um, to Keith and the Paladins, um, like. You know, it it, it seems like a, a, stri- a pretty stark uh, contrast to what we pr- our expectations going in, and um, I didn't f- I feel like they didn't do a great job uh, telling me their motivations of why they're acting this way, and then they kind of switch at the end, and it's like just when I'm getting used to them being kind of mean, uh, I didn't really understand why they went back on it. Um, like I under like the stuff happens with the blade and stuff like that. It just was uh very uh yeah like a very stark contrast in uh these motivations the transition didn't seem great to me um i didn't really like uh personally like uh this organization the entire time it just all seemed um a very twisted motivation and unlike on like in a broad context i'm interested in the way that they did this like i'm glad it wasn't such a played for straight portrayal but watching the episode was a little bit frustrating of an experience for me with with uh this organization i would say it's almost like they, I mean, they have this rule of cool motivation. We've got to make them look cool and ninja-like and mean, but we also have to get them on the good guy's side at the end of the episode. And then, you know, the point in which they go good was a bit too late, I think. I, yes, it seemed, it clearly seemed to me like, uh, okay, the conflict of this episode is that they don't like them, so let's just have them not like them and not worry about too much why. And then, oh, they like them at the end, and so we have to do that kind of late. The show tends to have a problem with... Um, putting their reveals kind of late in the episode. Uh, I mean, we could take... Oh, sorry. I'll take a different approach to that, Dylan. I think that it says a lot about their motivation. I think they're very prideful of the fact that they are all Galra members fighting back against the Galra Empire, and that being a part of the Blade of Marmora is like a symbol that you're rebelling against your home. And so to see someone who's not Galra carry that, that, um, that blade was like an insult to their not just their current organization, but everything they stood for the probably thousands that died in the last like 10,000 years. And so then to see that the blade accepts him, which means he is part Galra. I think that maybe let them accept not just him, but all of Voltron because they had that Galra connection. And I think it's, I think their motivation was kind of similar to Alora's of she hates the Galra. She doesn't think any Galra can be good. They don't think anyone outside of the Galra can fight the Galra. Okay. I think that's definitely plausible. I think the episode could have done a better job of explaining that or showing it or even right. telling. Yeah, my reaction to that is, uh, that sounds great to me. I didn't really get that from the episode. Yeah, that, that's kind of my reaction. My second reaction is, um, th- this organization is kind of being pricks, and uh, it's almost like we're letting them off by like, oh, he's actually one of you. Like, it's okay that you're kind of a- mad at everyone else because he's one of you. Like, I feel like uh, that doesn't get me to morally sem- sympathize with these people. Uh, it's, it's, it's not really like they changed. I feel like it's just that, um, it, it turns out that they can accept him. 
So I don't know. I don't know where we'll go with this in terms of I, I do think it's interesting if they're not supposed to be that sympathetic. Um, like going forward, I'm 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 op- definitely open to them being much better. But I think in terms of this episode portrayal, just specifically, it was a little bit frustrating. Um, let's talk uh, other things. How about so we have this thing with Keith's blade the whole episode. Um, I don't know. I'm not I'm not I don't feel the need to dive, dive too deep into it. Any uh, hot takes on on the blade and how it was used in the episode? Uh, I mean, it was interesting because we in, in 207, we hear that the planet that the blade was smelted from or mined from, you know, is extinct or gone or whatever for 10 decafibs, however long that is. Um, so there's a limited number of these blades going around. And I wonder, like, how they keep track of them. You know, if one of their agents dies, does the blade sort of dissolve or what? Because, you know, if if not, then anytime one of them dies and the blade will be lost and it's, it's plausible that Keith could come across it. Yeah. So who, who gives Keith the blade? Yeah. Um, was that, uh, does the, did the episode tell us that? Uh, uh, I mean, well, it seemed like his dad was offering it to him. Is, so is his mom, uh, yeah. Like is his mom an, an, a blade of Mamura agent, right? Is that what the, you know, I feel like we're, we need to, explore that, seems, it, I guess. that seems to be the indication because the, the confrontation in 207 makes more sense now when the shopkeeper's like, I know that this is stolen. Keith's like, it's not stolen. He's like, it has to be stolen because if only Galra can wield the Blade of Marmora, then obviously looking at Keith, he doesn't look Galrun. It, it, he has to have stolen it because it can't be his because he's not a member of the Blade of Marmora because he's not Galrun. Yeah, so that'll, that'll be interesting where we where we go with this. Um, any... Yeah, we we hit on the trials already. Um, I, I thought that that was, I don't know. I never connected too much to this this plot within the episode. Any other takes on these these uh, well, trials of Mamoda? Reminded me a lot of the trial, like the Cave of Trials. I think is was called. It was some. It's Legend of Zelda, um, uh, Twilight Princess. There's a. I'm mm-hmm. sure there exists in lots of games, but just a series of caves where you go and fight waves after wave, and it just was a bit of nostalgia factor for me. Like, oh, oh yeah, nice. I remember those guys. Nice, yes. Uh, build up the Zelda hype. Uh, only a month another, yet another com- contra- or comparison to Zelda because all these Robies, or whatever we're calling them, are uh, directly, they're basically Zelda bosses. They're the patterns, so. Uh, yeah. Zelda I, world thing. Zelda, I, lo- I love looking at it like that. Like, this is they're just fighting bosses every, you know, every other Legend of Zoltron. Legend of Zoltron, yeah. yeah. Hashtag for the episode. There you go. Um... Uh, this is a very uh, Jeff's on. We got to go to Jeff. To uh, Jeff, what do you think of the design of the Blade of Mamura base? Uh, first of all, like that is the, oh. vi- visually the design of it, and then kind of the concept of it being in between two black holes. Yeah, um, visually designed. I mean, it looked cool. Not much to talk about. Just crag of rock. There's a lot more cool stuff in this universe. I mean, it looks amazing with that blue sun as the backdrop for sure. Like, wow, I'm looking at that right now. It's really pretty. But the concept of having it at this, um, there's a, a term for this actually, it's called the Lagrange point, which is a point between two uh, bodies of mass where their gravitational fields cancel out. I don't, I don't know if that's technically the right thing. I think it's where they, something to do with their centrifugal force canc- uh, being precisely enough to orbit it. But basically it's where you get stable orbits between, say, the Earth and the Moon. In this case, it's between, between two black holes and a bright, bright blue sun. So... That was pretty cool that uh, they had that and that they also, you know, 
explain and show that they have to follow this precise path because they get off it and they will be off their Lagrange path and start falling into a black hole. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, nice. also, how they uh, I loved Hunk's little reaction because when Ke- or Pidge was talking about the temperature differential uh, between the inside and the outside of the black hole, um, I thought that was really funny. It's like, yo, oh, it's how you nuke a frozen burrito. It's like uh, frozen on the inside and hot on the outside. Right, yeah, the the or, like, yeah, like the that seemed like it's like the relate the writer was trying to like put it into terms after looking up the concept, and they like put that into the dialogue in the show. I thought that was good too. Yeah, and then uh, Lance, I think it was Lance who was like, Pete said, "Oh, don't worry, we'll just be crushed into something." I can't remember the precise lead up, but then someone's like, "That's not better." That was really funny. Yeah. I wish I could the line better, but yeah, yeah. that was that was, I remember that that was good. Um. Yeah, the, this this season with the uh, the science has been. <laughs> I don't actually know what whether any of this like high physics stuff is is true. I think in the earlier in the season, there's a, a lot of stuff, especially with uh, Quran like spouting a lot of. Uh, it yeah, sounds. It sounds. All that's made up. Yeah. It's it sounded very fake to me, and it's not really about it being true or not. It's just like, does it like sound good to the to the, the watcher? I guess. Um, and the base, the they they yeah they I think they worked it better this episode. Um, with the, it's interesting. Like they 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 have all these like physical phenomena that provide predicaments. Like for example, a couple episodes ago, they had the eye of the storm. So yes, that's true. Storms have eyes, and you can hide in them, but you can go into the storm and get you know torn up. Just they sort of took that out of an atmospheric context and just stuck it in space and said, let's have a conflict around that. And in this case. We have some more natural phenomena, but they are they are actually space based. You know, we have black holes in a sun, which I don't I don't believe I don't really don't think this configuration two black holes very close to a sun is stable. I <laughs> think they would have just dissolved or merged by now. That just goes with the territory, though, when you're writing a kids' show. But it's nice that they're putting physics into the plots. Yes. Kids show. Oh, no, no, no. But yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I get that. And uh uh, yeah, it's it's more like how they handle the, the the presentation of the physics. We'll track that as we go along. Last thing I want to talk about this episode, um, there's some other minor stuff, but we want to get to episode seven, is uh, this Commander Thrace plot. Um, we had him earlier. We saw him being appointed commander, like in a very Zhao-like scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, Admiral Zhao now. And uh, now I think it's, I guess it's the revelation this episode that he's the one uh, that lowered the shields uh, in in the season one finale. So uh, like, but uh, also uh, what's her face does like is questioning, but she doesn't figure out that it's him. But he's like a, the blade of Mamaranesian on the inside. Mm. Yeah. So, so I don't know how. Yeah, how's he hiding it? That's that's kind of. So my prime theory is that uh, he is aware of the fact that these druids, a lot of their power is illusionary. Like, because there's no way that if if their power is real, that they can actually, in this case, tell a lie. There's no way that he could evade that, right? Because he's not magic. So either he has some supernatural protection or he's like, you know, Azula, purple platypus with pink horns and silver wings, psycho, or they're just faking it and they're relying on intimidation to get people Mm. to crack. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I don't see because she's like holding out her hand and making a purple ball and I don't see the immediate connection between doing that and reading his mind. 
for, and again, another thing, if they could have done this, if they can read minds, they would have read that one guy's mind two episodes ago when he was, before he was put into that row beast, you know, to see, hey, were you actually the one that lowered the shield? Why didn't they do that? Probably because they can't. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good point that this is maybe more of just kind of an intimidation tactic. And he's just like, uh, I just need to not give in. Um, well, yeah, I think that's that's uh, tough to that's like I think if if that's true, I think that's supposed to be kind of a surprise. Um, like, I think this um, what's her Hagar, which Hagar, I think she's up to this point. I don't know how much skeptical of which Hagar's powers we've had. Like, maybe that was a plotline season one. I don't really remember. No, no, it would definitely be something completely new because everything else she's legit. But I, I do sense there's some sort of schism between her and Zarkon. Mm-hmm. And this could play into it. You know, who knows? Yeah, that'd be that'd be an interesting reveal if like um she's trying to do all these things and it's like she can't actually do some of them. There's definitely not a lot of corroboration to it. I mean, the most the more plausible thing is he's just really good at lying or whatever. But yeah, he's that, just had but, intense like Mumrodin training. Yeah, and, uh, but that doesn't really sit well with me. Yeah, if, she, if she's magic, then she's magic. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel. Yeah, um, Justin, what are your impressions of uh, Commander Thrace? I don't know. I mean, he seems, I guess, sympathetic to the cause, and he seems way to Marmorian, but (laughs) we don't actually know for certain that he's with them. For all we know, he could be, like, an ex of Keith's mom, who's Galrod, (laughs) and he's trying to protect... He's like the Severus Snape of the gang. I I don't know. The only he's not here, I have to make the Harry Potter references. So... We, we we haven't confirmed he's played in Marmora, is my point. And, I mean, I don't see any other likely option. But I don't want to jump the gun too much on that. Yeah, that's true. I think that the, earlier in the series, um, the show heavily implied that the Blade of Momoro is responsible for taking down the shield because they had agents on the inside. Um, and then we see the Commander Thrace here was the one who did it, I guess. So now that uh, we're, I'm like drawing A to B, but maybe A to B doesn't connect or something. So uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, last point is that with Hagar, n- no Toph, maybe, you know, uh, that's the, we've got to throw it in there. Well, she's no Toph, so we'll see. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's, that's good for episode overall. Um, uh, Justin, you really love this one. Oh yeah. I love this. I saw some of the fight scenes in this were really, really good. Episode seven had a really good fight scene too, but, um, some of just the designs on the fights, I thought, I know you said you got tired of it with keep fighting wave after wave after wave. I liked it. Like I thought the way they handled it was very nice. Um, I thought the pacing of that scene worked really well. I thought the, the tone was good. I liked it. Cool. Jeff? Um, love the character design. Love the location design. One little like tidbit that I forgot to mention earlier. It looks like there was one and only one of the Blade of Malmora that I can identify that actually has a tail, which is something I have not seen in any Gara before. Mm. So I, I don't know what to make of it. Nice people. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I like this episode. I, it's um, I was frustrated by it, but... I'm very interested to see what we do with uh, this organization in the future. Okay, let's talk uh, Space Mall, probably the best episode title this season, <laughs> I would say. Space Mall, where? Let's Not go. as good as Greening the Cube. Yeah. Um, I think you mean anything, green- but yes, anyways. <laughs> I, I wonder if you guys discussed the Greening the Cube title. That's my, oh, by the way, that's, yeah. Hated it. We all hated it. <laughs> that's my favorite episode so far, by the way. There, there's um, a running gag that um, 
Delaney gets confused as to whether or not it's the episode title or the location they're at. That started <laughs> with Across the Universe and has continued for most episodes except Greening the Cube. <laughs> greening the Cube. Yeah, I get what they're going for that title. Anyway, Space Mall, very literal Avatar-like title. The, it would, no, it'd be The Space Mall. The, uh, the Arc of Targir is a very <laughs> Avatar title. Mm. Um, so yeah, let's talk uh, Space Mall. Um impressions of the episode we already got that but like more in depth what you liked what you didn't like uh uh, jeff well i liked how everyone had their thing to do and they were all pretty interesting like um you know hunk turned out to be a pretty interesting storyline to watch in the uh not interesting i'd say just just amusing um to watch in his kitchen um i guess the 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 low point would be pidge his little storyline i was not really interested in that but um uh Karen was really funny and uh and of course I loved Shiro's vision scape stuff. I just it was really beautiful to watch that smackdown and it was great to get some more back info on the Black Lion. Yeah, we had the Black Lion stuff. Her little storyline. Although is this the episode with the pigeon in the bathrooms? Yes. Um, yes. Okay, I guess I'll talk about that. But um yeah, but it's pretty stellar. Anyway, um, Justin, uh, more detailed thoughts on this one. So what we just watched was 16 meets Voltron meets Paul Blart Mall Cop. And it was a beautiful episode. I mean, it was uh, the Shiro stuff was the most important, obviously, but everything felt fun. It felt it not important, but it was good to kind of get that lighthearted stuff in between all like, the really heavy Shiro stuff. And... I'm excited to talk about the bathroom thing thing because I don't think it's as bad as you're going to say it is. I'm and not going to say it's bad. I'm just going to comment on it. I okay. And may I just say two words: hover cow. Mm-hmm. Hover cow. Yeah, I love the cow so did much. We, did we see the cow in episode eight? I don't think so. But no. she just comes back and there's a cow, and I yeah. Love why it. isn't and our cow our companion, animal companion now? I'm sure the cow. Okay, is the cow a boy or a girl? I mean, I saw udders, didn't I? It's a cow. I don't I don't care. Uh, yeah, but... udders. There was a pink bow on the tail. Okay, we don't need to get into the udders. cow bi- biology, Justin. But um, yeah, they can, we'll talk about I don't remember what the cow is called, but that's... Uh... They said he, but I thought I saw an udder. Okay, this is existential crisis on the cow's gender by Justin. Hold on. Re- regardless of this. Anyway, um, yeah, I think Voltron this episode's good. Um, Voltron, no, you're going to get spoiled when the cow's like involved in this plot line. You can't Google anything until we're done yet. Why can't I just Google an image of the cow? It's going to be... What what if the cow is involved in a climactic scene that's on Google Images that you'll see when you Google... It's not going to be involved. All I found was Shira fan art. Okay, that's what you get. But, um, so, yeah, I think Space Mall's good. Um, another... These two episodes were very frustrating to me. Space Mall had a lot of great elements. Um, I really loved a lot of the humor stuff they did. Um, I absolutely hated the Allura stuff, and I hate that they put it in. Um, it was just terrible. Um, and I... It's just... It, the show is sometimes very frustrating like that. Uh, just bad use of the mice this season. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, the Allura stuff was just so obviously not up to snuff with the rest of the, the stuff. Like, we we should have better things for alert to do. Um, I have the opposite opinion, so I'll okay. I'll you can defend it. Yeah, um, I'm not saying it's definitive, but I feel like this is a common thing with Allura. I mean, I'm sure we're going to do something with her eventually. But Allura was like the best character last season, and this character she's been the this season she's been the worst character. Whereas Keith was the worst character last season. This season he's been very good. Um, so it's like we're Pidge and Keith have really improved this season. I'm a big fan of uh, what Pidge is. They've done with Pidge, but. Um, 
Alara has been the opposite for me and I'm frustrated, but, um, most of the stuff I really liked this episode. I did, I didn't really like the con, the tonal contrast between, uh, everything in the mall and then everything that Shiro was doing. It didn't really work for me. The Shiro stuff was interesting in its own right, but I really think this episode just needed a pure, uh, dead downtime episode. And it's like they can't help themselves. We have to do something plotty and something mysterious and spacey. And I, you know, space mall is also spacey, but, um, it, it, uh, it was a little uh, too much of a stark contrast for me. That being said, I did like what we were doing with Shiro. So uh, let's go through. I know Jeff has a lot of notable quotes, so you can potentially insert as we go through the plots or we can go through um, one by one. What's the mo- What was your favorite of the uh, Paladin's plot lines going on? Uh, well, as far as so excluding Shiro, I think um, it had to be Hunk, really. Okay, the Hunk and... Uh, turning into a chef and turning around this um serious restaurateur mall restaurateurs by the way i, I forgot sorry for a second this episode literally has paul blart mall cop in it mm-hmm. um i thought i was the first i was like no why are we doing this and then it was pretty funny him the whatever the the mall cop was so varkon um, varkon yeah fan of varkon justin new i fave, new fave character i loved him and i'm wondering who his voice actor was yeah, this um, uh, this credits of the show are very frustrating with the voice casting because I don't think they give a character to character to voice actor correlation. Anyway, um, also this episode written by Tim Hedrick, you would think this would be a Josh Hamilton episode, um, but it is interestingly written by Tim and Blade of Memoir written by um, new to the season writer Mark uh, Bemisterfer is my best uh, guess on the pronunciation, but yeah, I think he's done a, a very good job before, and I'm glad that they've staffed up. Um, the the writers room we also had uh lars kenseth writing greening the cube earlier um so yeah let's talk about uh the the hunk plotline which started off um i was like eh. and then it just uh the turnarounds uh the the payoff is is really there i think uh-huh. uh what are what are your favorite parts of this jeff well it's actually so um when he gets locked in the kitchen okay yeah that 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 happens you know, a lot in media but then he talks to this old woman it's like, how long have you been in here? And he's like, Sal put me in when I was just a little girl. And I'm like, <laughs> you, this w- seriously went there? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless she's part of like some alien race that ages real fast or backwards. I don't know. But um, so yeah, that was really fun. And then the fact that, uh, also, okay, I know this is reading way too much into this universe, but the fact that you have this really horrible chef and he hasn't been displaced yet by a different, like, uh, in any kind of competition. And apparently there's some anti-competitive, uh, <laughs> you know, monopoly going on here, or he's, you know, corrupting the system with some bribes. I don't know, but he's, he's got all these people ordering. He's making money. He's, uh, yeah, they, but they, they hate their food. Like, why would they go there? <laughs> I guess they don't need to come back. Cause it's just people coming to the mall for the first time Could be for, for their sustenance. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I like this analysis of the of the mall, the mall the, of the the world. The mall is anti-corruption or corruption laws or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, notable. Any notable quotes or things from the rest of the hunk plotline? Um, the uh, his whole exchange uh, when he's talking to let's see, uh, uh, yeah, when he's talking to Vark on or to to Sal, he's like, I said over medium. This is when he's like taken over as a shelf. Over me to you, Rube. Does this look over me to you? No, chef. Then get, get it right. If it ain't perfect, it ain't coming out of this kitchen, people. Sauce me. That's very good. 
Yeah, that might have been some. I think the season's lacking a little bit of the the classic hunk humor from season one. Um, I don't know if we've had any great like uh, was spork moments or whatever. Um, <laughs> I think this was maybe hunk's best material this season. I was pretty pretty happy with that that payoff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's uh, Justin thoughts on on the hunk stuff. I enjoyed it a lot. I love the style of it. I like with some of the food plating scenes. I it was fun. It was a really fun scene. Cool scenes. Yeah. Scenes, yeah. Um, let's talk about what Keith with the 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 knife salesman. Oh, I uh, love the knife salesman. His uh, my favorite quote from that is like, "How many times have you had to fight off a charging rock monster and then go immediately to a picnic <laughs> all the time?" Right? And he does it. That's great. This this is a, a lot of uh, my biggest complaint with this show is it um lacks kind of this uh, soul uh, like this humor of Avatar. This I feel like this he this guy was the knife says was like such an Avatar character, mm. and I, I really felt the, the Avatar spirit in him. Um, it, it the, for me, the Cabbage Man got a new life. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, a more sleazy Cabbage Man or something. Yeah. Um, was Actually, there? No, he's like well, he's he's cutting up the cabbages. He's like taking over the Cabbage Man. Oh, is this is this the future uh, descendant of the Cabbage Man now? Yeah, is, is like this our fan fiction legacy? Yeah, <laughs> he's rebelling against. Yeah, there you go. Um, was there any significant knife stuff here? Um, like we get it paid off next episode, but um, yeah, not really. I mean, we know we see more evidence that Keith is a very accomplished knife fighter because he's defending against this guy by just holding his wrist. You know, that was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, let's talk of the, uh, Lance and Pidge stuff, right? Are they, are they, they're partnered for this. I, I, I want to see more Lance and Pidge. I love this combination. My two faves. Let's, let's do this. Um, not, not saying I ship it though. No, but, um, I, I, they go to this, uh, earth sales store and then they buy this video game console after taking all the, the what the coins out of the fountain. Uh, I love that there's like an earth sales shop thing, like. That's something that I have not even seen any notion of existing in this world. And no one ever goes there. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, we're just the lamest culture. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. This is true because he never sells anything. Yeah. This this is a really comic books. You see video games. Yeah. I, I I do really like the concept. It's very much like a Rick and Morty concept. Um, and that's very, very much a compliment. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought this was good. Although, um, I probably agree that this is a little bit of a weaker plot, but I love Pidge's enthusiasm about the the video game machine. That really works for me. And the payoff was very fun at the end. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have nowhere to plug it in. That was pretty typical, but I still enjoyed it, yeah. Uh, uh, a little bit weird, though, because he's this expert at plugging in Earth tech to advanced machinery, and you can't go backwards, but whatever. Yeah, you think Pidge and Corrin could combine their heads and... And, She's just gonna uh, chill in the lion, and like the lion will have an a AV input. Yeah, the lion's work. gotta have a TV. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Let's the lion can hook it up. Where's Let's Pidge? Say. She's in the lion. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the continued Pidge gender confusion, let's talk about this bathroom scene, which um, I think is the best. Uh, is their attempt to kind of lampshade what they're doing with uh, Pidge's gender last season. So Pidge kind of is uh, confused about the alien genders, and then it's like, I'll just hold it, um, and. It's it's a really interesting decision to do this because uh, as as um we talked uh we talked about when we covered season one Pidge um the use of that plotline was like fine but that was like a a super typically transphobic type plotline and not like a good trope to use the like uh she's a girl but she's hiding as a guy I know it's this big secret and this big payoff um 
So it's not like they have a lot of goodwill, I guess, behind uh, the, this type of plotline going in with Paige. Um, but then we're kind of, uh, and we and we're not really exploring it yet. This is the most exploration we have of like what's Paige's gender identity type thing. Um, and uh, here she's like looking confused between the two bathrooms, and they have like different symbols and stuff. And she's like, um, "Yeah, hold it in." So there's kind of two interpretations to the scene. One being that. Uh, she just doesn't want to handle like what's the correct alien uh, bathroom to go into, um, which is ostensibly the on the surface. That being said, later in the episode, we see Keith walking out of the blue one. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, the other the alternate alter- interpretation and clearly we are meant to interpret this both ways like it's supposed to be a clear dual interpretation thing um is that this is pidge just uh just undecided about uh which uh which uh gendered bathroom that she'd want to use and um this is like representative of pidge's internal uh gender struggles um justin what was your which of these two did you think uh was their kind of more intended thing or both i'm pretty sure the more intended one was the first one and that keith coming out of the blue one is just keith doesn't care keith is gonna be keith keith is not going to wait for anyone or social norms keith is keith or it indicates maybe with his alien nature he knows stuff we don't i don't know <laughs> the point that's is a, that's an i'm interesting pretty sure they were trying to show that pidge is just confused and keith is like i don't care but right, to, so create, that's, yeah. to, to give a bit of context, the whole Pidge thing, Pidge is going to stay female, odds are. And the reason I say this is in the original Voltron show, the green paladin was a guy named Pidge. And so they kept that character. And the creators have even said the reason we made Pidge female in this show is we wanted to show that you can have the same character of Pidge, have Pidge be female, still be the green paladin, not pink or anything and still be just as important a member of the team as a male. So I think it, if, it, as great as it would be to get transgender representation, I think it would kind of undermine the point of what they're going for with this character. I think that they they wanted Pidge to be female specifically to show that you can be a girl, you can be the green paladin, you can still kick butt. And I don't think they should try to put two big things like that into one character. I think it's kind of asking too much and it takes away from Pidge's character and just makes Pidge more of like a, a, a vehicle. Okay. Definitely backpedaling a lot on your language there. I think that, um, the content of what you're saying, I certainly understand what you're saying. Um, there's nothing about like, uh, tur- stays or turns or, uh, reflects the character. Nothing, no harms intended there, but, um, like it, it, it's not really about. Um, uh, I'm not necessarily confident in myself to uh, to say this uh, correctly either. But um, it, it's more about like Justin's kind of like trying to interpret what the creators might think about this, right? Like that's. I'm. I'm no. From. I'm literally quoting them. Right. Yeah. No. They said they clearly said this in these interviews. It's like, well, we want pitch to be. It's like a subversion, and it's like, are you going to make any of the pilots uh, female on this new show instead of male? Right. Like, and they they talk about that. Um, it's not like pitch being trans uh, would um, undermine any of these efforts in actuality. In terms of like what might be going through their head when they're making this, they might think that. I think that's kind of like the inter- the uh, the interpretation there. Um, that being said, I do think this is. Um, 
I do think the scene is like kind of clearly intended to show Pidge being somewhat questioning uh, in this regard. Um, clearly, the surface level interpretation is that Pidge is kind of like unsure, and Keith is more uh, is more sure. But um, I don't. You, obviously, you know, this is this is clear subtext going on here with Pidge. Like, but it's I mean, literally the same scene from SpongeBob. Like, I've seen this scene a million times, Dylan. It's nothing. Sp- Spon- new. Yeah, SpongeBob's not a character who we had go through a what gender are you? Well, the SpongeBob has spongebob's own stuff but um not uh through a character i'm saying though that i i think the choice i think if they if they're not doing any subtext stuff and they're not going that direction using pitch was a poor choice knowing the kind of uh reaction surrounding pitch and i think that if they wanted it to just be a straight up uh play on this trope they should have picked someone different but i think that I think they were, I honestly think they're just trying to use this trope that's been done a million times. I don't think they meant anything behind it, honestly. Um, I think if that's true, then they're delusional. Like, uh, this, there's such clear. It's a TBY7 show. They might be delusional. Like, they may not be thinking. Uh, yeah, I don't. Terms. I mean, I take offense, like, on behalf of Tim Hedrick and writing crew in that regard. I mean, not, I don't have the most confidence in Tim Hedrick handling a gender identity plot correctly i don't really know him personally but he seems very progressive on twitter you know but um like uh clearly when you're doing this with pidge you know what you're getting into here um that being said i'm not saying it's like uh the beginnings it's it's more like uh pidge is uh you know spent a large part of her life um you know acting as as uh if she was a guy in order to, so it, which is a stupid plotline as we talked about, but um, this might cause confusion on her identity. It's, I think it's perfectly reasonable. And clearly we could go a, a, a transit with Pidge, which I think the show is not presenting Pidge as, which is not necessarily in my uh, making any sort of um, not, that's not me interpreting anything. It's just like clearly what the show is presenting. We could also go a non, a non-binary rule with Pidge, which is, I think why saying like this would um, hurt kind of this, uh, this uh female subversion type thing i think that's a problematic statement because if you do some sort of non-binary thing with pidge you can that it, i don't think that falls in line with that so um i'm not i'm not gonna edit the segment i'm i i apologize if any of this language was insensitive i do think we need to be careful when talking about this uh i do think the show is a little bit blase with this pidge stuff which can be frustrating we'll see where they go with it in the future i do think this is the plot line that they're this communicates that they would in 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 go in this direction with this with this character but um Maybe maybe Justin's right, and this was was just a throwaway thing. Anyway, there was your overtly long analysis for a five second scene, the classic hallmark uh, of the podcast. Um, but yeah, overall the the pitch stuff was, uh, uh, yeah, I, I do uh, the payoff was good, and um, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, who haven't we talked about yet? Um, the Quran with the the lenses, right? Um, mm. Yeah, so he like the the lens owner shop uh, kind of just doesn't know the value of these things and uh, the bartering with uh, with him. I think that was all really good. Yeah, that was that was the really the the, the way they paced the whole dialogue was really really nice because it looked like they're about to you know reach an accord like would you accept an IOU? It was like of course, I just need some collateral. Maybe ten volume and gets and then go back into it. And that's fun. Yeah, I, I thought that was, I thought that was fun. I think a lot of the corn stuff this season has been has been fun in those. And then really when he leaves the with the thing, the, the first thing he sees is the entire gang riding that cow in slow motion. Just absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it was a really good ending. I'm surprised that they kind of uh, coalesced everything so so well. Um, I think that, I think that that was really good. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, the cow. We talked about the cow already. We can. We'll see if the cow is is part of the confirmed, show. Confirmed. Confirmed. Cow has udders. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> this is. We've confirmed this. Okay. Thank interesting you, with interesting with our other discussion. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. Let's talk Shiro. Um, Shiro with the black line bonding needs to cut off this connection with with Zarkon. Um, I, the, this dialogue, I hate it. Hate it so much because like. Let's go strengthen my bond. Hey, Lion, do you know what, what, what should I do to strengthen my bond? Man, I wish I could strengthen my bond. Like, how many times are you going to use that phrase? They, they say this concept of bonding with the lion a lot, and I don't see a lot of actual bonding. I see a lot of talking about bonding, you know? Right. It's, I do think the show's done this with the paladins in the past. The show's had this plotline of like, okay, let's bond with the lions. And then it's like, what does that even mean? I don't know if they've really showed it that well. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Um, th- I do think this is like clearly a plot that uh, this plot like pays off the first half of the season. Like it's like, how are they tracking us? That's been a thing since episode three. And this is kind of this important moment that's in the context of this um, uh, kind of light plot uh, comedy heavy episode. Um, were you, were you satisfied with, um, it's like, oh, everything's, everything's okay. Let's, uh, uh Zarkons can't track us anymore. We solved this problem with this psychic plane type thing. What did you it's think? It's a bit foolhardy. They really should have waited a while just to make sure seems so fast to me that they resolve this here mm-hmm. yeah what did you think justin i like i like the scenes with uh shiro and zarkon but at the same time i think they should have they it it did seem a bit rushed it seemed like they kind of resolved it in a very haphazard way and yeah, like you said, the strengthening the bonds, it seems like strengthening your bond just means make yelling at your lion enough and pleading <laughs> until its eyes glow. <laughs> Maybe the lions just really like groveling. Like please, 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 I mean, new cats, power. Right? Yeah, they're they're just they're just big moody cats. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. Um yeah, I, I think the scenes themselves were good, but it's just very fast. Um were they on the spirit world with the psychic plane stuff? Is that what we were doing? Yeah, something like that. Well, I, I thought it was visually interesting. What do you think of the concept of this? Neat. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was. It was really cool being able to see some uh, some combat. Some, you know, hand to hand combat n- being not constrained to the laws of physical reality right now. More constrained to the mental um, strength that they each have, um, which let them do some really cool stuff. Um, yeah. I I really enjoyed the uh, like I said before the, the flashbacks because you get to see like um, the black lion's wings actually expand, which that well, going forward like we, we've seen his little stubby wings, but they don't really do anything yet. I'm pretty I think they turn into shield. Okay, they might do something, but uh, it was nice to see. Oh, whoa, big and pretty. It's cool, and teleportation. Yeah. Like, that's cool. So. Yeah, a lot of interesting concepts that we don't take too much time into. I'm interested to see the extent of Zarkon's like psychic powers or whatever. Um, like what's what's the extent of Shiro and this connection? Uh, I, I like this mental component to Shiro um, and kind of this mental battle here. Um, overall, with Shiro, Shiro is a character that frustrates me. That uh, kind of very very Zuko like, and that he's like so brooding that we never get to do any light stuff with him. And we have like the everyone does a light. Uh, like like a humor thing and then he gets the serious plot line i was like oh this is our chance to do something like fun with shiro that's uh, right like in the, in the prior episodes like for example in uh, greening the cube when they're all 
playing, you know, snowball on the surface of the ship, and Chiro actually gets into it. It's like, oh, yay, he can have some fun. And he has no fun here. Yeah. Uh, Shiro, Shiro's too serious. I like. I want to see. I want to see the the fun side to Shiro. Um. Anyway, th- we'll see. We'll see uh, how this plot. And we had like his bond with Keith. That we didn't even get into in the next episode too. Um. Jeff. Uh. What's What's your thoughts on the Allura stuff with the mice? Well, so I enjoyed it. I mean, I I def- I see all of your complaints with her progression as a character. This as, from this perspective of the season, she really doesn't do much except help has nothing to do with her own um so i guess if this scene had happened last season i think it would have really um been cool for a character it's just like i mm-hmm. just enjoyed her being able to like just be just be feminine and not always have to be take control and command of the situation she's like oh but i want something sparkly sparkle 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 yeah let's talk about that scene i, that, I made that the screenshot for this i really liked visually what they did with the sparkle um was she being sarcastic or was she being serious like i, I, I like <laughs> she's i don't know serious. I really can't tell what they're. It seemed pretty serious, honestly. I don't know where Lance to find it, but I think she wanted something sparkly. Mm. If if she was hundred percent serious, I think it was pretty. It, it was funny, but kind of stupid. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think I that just sort of highlights her character. Like she can be, you know, super serious, but then she also just wants to have fun sometimes. I guess so. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, what you're, what you're, we're, we don't need to get into it too much, but yeah, what you're talking about with like, like her progression in season one, she's like, okay, she's just, uh, she's not in on the action. She's just giving the orders. But then at the end, she like gets in on the action. Now we're just reverting back to where we were before. She's like not actually doing anything. But yeah, that, in, in summary, um, yeah, let's take the, the show on the road with the mice, but not a lack of mice, uh, this season. Where are you? Are we frustrated with the, the I'm not mice? frustrated. I'm, I'm sort of like, let's. They're they're just whatever. Let's move care. on from the mice. Is the is the cow supplanting the mice now as our animal companion? I don't want to see the cow either. <laughs> what? What's anti cow? Oh no! I'll, 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 I'll eat the cow. But I want to watch. Get, it. Oh yeah, you. This is a conflict. Uh, mm. pro, are you hashtag pro cow or hashtag anti cow with Justin hashtag and Jeff? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's. I think that's anti cow. I think that's how that works. Um, yeah. Uh, any other, Jeff, any other, you read a lot of quotes or any other ones you found particularly notable that we haven't gone over? Oh, let me see. Uh, it was, oh, it's not really a quote, but I love seeing those pictures of Koren, like back with the, with the pirates. Cause you, you see him look like Nigel Thornberry pretty much. Um, and then you also see King Alfor in the background, just smiling, having a good mm. time. So I think that is fun, is a fun peek into his is is psyche you know we can't really see him right now um yeah there's a not yeah that's about it for the uh the really fun quotes all right cool overall uh on the episode overall i'd say i mean if we're still i remember (laughs) we call back to greater than matter 10 i'd say it was like a seven Seven, seven and a half. Yeah, let's let's bring out the grading scale just for space model. <laughs> yeah. Seven. Okay, I, I think that's fair, Justin. Which I, would, I was thoughts. expecting to give you like a four, so that's really good. Okay. Yeah, I agree. But greater than you think they'd handle this episode. So, Justin, thoughts? I'll give it a seven and a half. I don't know. I'm not from the spirit world. Would it make me feel unwelcome, guys? I mean, I'm youngin. You you but, use this grading scale in your weekly total drama post, so don't. Even that is that. the <laughs> Justin total drama scale based on the franchise itself, okay, wait, okay, okay, created okay, by one of my biggest okay, fans okay, okay, on okay, Tumblr. Okay. So don't you dare compare the objective Dylan scale to the Justin total drama scale. I'm glad you called it objective, so you weren't really insulting it. It is a very objective scale. I agree. It's very serious. Anyway, yeah, it's about. 
what, what, what was the scream? Ah. What was that? Ah. Can Is I go home ar- now? What? Can I go home now, Dylan? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Anyway, let's wrap. <laughs> um. Okay. You edit that out. I will be mad at you. Uh, I don't Those know if that's a reference to. Yeah, I'm not editing this. It, it, people you. aren't people aren't listening anymore. It's okay. Um, yeah, I think space it's space seven, whatever. It's fine. It's a, it's a good. I think it's actually one of the better episodes of the season. I agree. Um, okay, so no no time for speculation. I was I was editing these and I was like, why are they going 50 minutes? Like, I'm going to come in. I'm going to do these in 40 minutes, and here we are sitting in an hour. So I understand now. <laughs> There's a lot to talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, so Start yeah, so hard to keep we'll get into short for you. Yeah, but yeah, it's impossible. We'll get into the belly of Weblum. And uh, escape from Betatraz last time. Maybe that's spoilers, I guess. Probably shouldn't look at the next titles. But um, yeah, an escape episode. Um, yeah, May Chan wrote that, the one in Avatar. So that'd be good. She's not writing that one, though. But You know, um, I, I keep spoiling myself because I, I Google like the episode title review. Like I'm trying to find reviews of all these episodes just because I like to hear what other people think of it. And then I just get season two review articles with the big lead line of what they thought of it. And I won't say what I saw, but yeah. Yeah, it's stupid. And then there's like they've uh, there's like an interview and stuff already. I have I have like an interview with EW pulled up that I haven't read yet for like once we get to the end. So um yeah, we'll get it into would be all nice this if, stuff. If these podcast episodes actually ranked high on those sort of searches, because we're reviewing. Yeah. Um certainly we'll put them out earlier than those reviews, so maybe maybe they would be. We'll have a SEO analysis coming up soon. Um but there you go. There's our Space Mom Blade of Mamura. Uh ch- stay with us for our next Voltrons reviews. Find those at overlyanimated.com. Consider supporting us at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thank you very much to all of our patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Taylor, aka Needle, who's I'm glad we got Taylor on a uh Voltron podcast because I think Taylor's the only Voltron specific nickname. Um, because I think it's a season one quote, uh, call me Taylor because I thread the needle. Um, so there you go. Uh, thank you very much, Taylor. All our patrons can search bring us patreon.com slash overlyanimated. We will be back, uh, next time to cover it. What is it? Nine and ten. We're getting down there only if you yep. left. Yep. Uh, last thoughts. Hashtag Legend of Ultron. Yeah, there, that and, uh, pro or anti cow and, uh, hashtag pro steak. No, that's anti-cat. That's that's we we established. Anyway, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.